Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Musty Matches. I am Kieran, burning the thought from the amount of deep heat I'm currently covered in. And joining me as always, the Oxfordshire Submission Machine, Mark Buckledy. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, r- counting down the days before uh, I don't have to work for a week. I am doing exactly the same thing. One left. Yeah. And it's a work from home day as well, so I don't even have to go anywhere. It's great. This week... We are talking about Kent Kobashi versus Samoa Joe from the creatively named Ring of Honor Joe versus Kobashi show on October the 1st, 2005 in the New Yorker Hotel Grand Ballroom, which is a sequence of words I never thought I'd say on a wrestling podcast. And joining us today, tearing him away from talking about CM Punk five days a week to talk about something I don't think I've ever heard him mention before uh, from the Grapple Podcasting Universe, Benno is here. Benno, how are you? Uh, doing very well. Proud to uh, to be invited. I'm sorry that Matty couldn't make it. I know he would have been your first choice for uh, a Kenta Kabashi match, but I thought I'd fill in, you know, you needed someone from Grapple, so uh, that's where I am. I mean, I was going to save it as my last question, but like, Matty's incredible. Where did you find him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's funny, like, Matty is like someone who, like, it's weird if you'd have told me in 2007, back when I, long, I'm going to get all the, uh, the Benno high spots in here. Back yeah, when yeah. I used to wrestle, throw that yeah, one yeah. in. Um, his cousin was kind of one of my trainers. So, like, we used to go on nights out in, uh, in Liverpool, and every now and then Matty would tag along. And I'll always remember the first time I met him, we had a house party. Like, Mark knows him as uh, his cousin Gary. We're in a mm. house party. And it was like four in the morning and Matty and our other mate crew and a few others were arguing to the point tears were coming out over who was the biggest star, Stone Cold Steve Austin or Hulk Hogan. I remember looking at Gary going, is this normal? Is this happening all the time? Fast forward 15 or so years and I'm just doing it on a podcast once a week with Matty now. It's overrun with me. That, so yeah that that's where we found him and uh it always made sense that he would uh he, he smelled the money he smelled the air uh, the fame and he went his way to the, uh, the podcast world that cut the patreon money <laughs> definitely the most shocking thing is i only realized about 18 months ago that he was cousins with gary oh wow. i just did yeah. not know that <laughs> i don't know if that's a shoot or not i might be breaking kayfabe here. it's like cousins kind of but i've never delved into the family tree so i'm not 100 percent sure uh, but yeah uh, what a world go, go way back with mark as well obviously mm. having, uh, that, uh, that, that shared roh fandom back in the day yeah. so yeah. yeah it's kind of a uh, all worlds colliding here and then of all things a wedding in malta was basically the thing that brought <laughs> us back in the same orbit yeah that was crazy i, I always remember kieran being like me and my, my girlfriend at the time were like sunbathing and we I remember us being out at like a really nice bar, having a, a, having a beer in the sun. Just saw Mark in the distance, wandering through, looking at the wildlife, what? inspecting the local insects. I, and I stuff. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I literally did not know that. Like Mark's having a very different holiday here in Malta than we are. And God love him. Mark's gonna mark. I've, I've visited a three thousand plus year old monolith of all bloody things. I wasn't <laughs> yeah, on any beaches. Right. <laughs> so rewind you a little bit. Like, how did you get into wrestling in the first place? Um, for me, it's kind of like I always think of in Britain. There's the two boom periods, doesn't there? There's the the early nineties, uh, and then there's obviously Steve Austin, uh, mm. late nineties, early two thousands. So yeah, early nineties. I was the right age. Uh, everybody in my school was watching wrestling. I mm. distinctly remember. I would guess it would be about nineteen ninety one. I remember my cousin showing me you know different uh, vhs tapes explaining to me who the big boss man was and um, that's a that's a big memory who the mounty was um and just getting into it and my thing was always you know everyone in my school was watching wrestling at that point SummerSlam 92 came and went i'm sure we uh, mm. we all remember mm. and then in my school and my cousins and all my friends in my street all stopped watching wrestling but i was the one that stuck around mm. they all came crawling back during the attitude there <laughs> but then they all got off again um afterwards and yeah i think the likes of us are the ones who stick around now that's yeah. what makes us uh, makes us different 
Would you call this era of Ring of Honor like your comfort food wrestling? Is this your favorite stuff to go back to? Definitely, yeah. Um, as the grapple patron will show, I think we're starting to exhaust the patrons now. It's just a bit like <laughs> that in nineteen ninety-seven. Really, yeah, really another. Yeah, that in ninety-seven. That's my other favorite period. But it's like really another one. We'll find yeah. any excuse to do it an ROH retro show, and yeah, that's it. It's probably the the peak of uh, of my fandom. I'd say where I was spending the most money, mm. traveling those miles to get to shows, and yeah, um, it just felt like a natural fit. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of traveling miles, let's hit another Benno High spot. Give us the reason why you're here to talk about this particular match and how you ended up there in the first place. <laughs> so now I'm wondering if you were anywhere involved uh, behind the scenes uh, at this show, Keen. Were you at International Showdown? Were you? Were you uh... I ha- still have never seen that show. I have a wrapped oh. DVD on my shelf, so it it's, it comes after I finished with the FWA. Mm, um, right. I I dipped out like three or four months before this. And at that point, obviously, I hated British wrestling and wanted nothing to do with it. So I've still never seen International Showdown. Wow. It it's it doesn't it doesn't really hold up uh, if you went there, but, but still um, the camera looks pretty good. It's okay. It's well well lit. Um Herbie did a good job on the on the hard cam. But it's um yeah it so that show is obviously, you know, being a big ROH fan and I'd travelled to America a few times for, for different ROH shows. International Showdown came up, Punk versus Joe was uh, was announced for it, and of course, you know, I had to be there. And yeah, they had a, a raffle on the day, one of the uh, Alex Shane Hallmarks, I'm sure uh, you know, of, mm-hmm. uh, Kieran, where he, uh, the, the first prize was a, a, a trip to uh, any Ring of Honor show of your choosing, but one strip uh, went into the show and then wouldn't you know it? Yeah, halfway through they drew the raffle and my number got called. <laughs> now that was the easy part. The hard part was tracking down Alex Shane to get my prize. As someone who's like... had to try and get an envelope with fifty quid in it out of Alex Shane on several occasions, <laughs> 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 I know I think it's to get him to part with anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was—I remember losing my mind in the audience, going, "Who do I go to? What do I do?" Yeah. Finding some bloke at merch who had nothing to do with Alex Shane or, or the wrestling channel who were running International Showdown or anything, giving him my details and then hearing nothing. Mm. And then about three or four months later, Alex Shane finally answered my email. Um, then he stopped answering my emails again. Then I chased it up with it. It's Sean Herbert used to run the wrestling channel. And yeah, long mm. story short, I finally got through. Uh, and it was perfect timing because Joe Kabashi was coming up. So mm. what other ROH show would I rather use my air? Uh, I'd say all expenses paid. Uh, the flight was paid for. Um, <laughs> some expenses <laughs> paid. <laughs> yeah, some expensive paid trip to, uh, to America to, to go to that. It was, uh, it was perfect timing in the end. Mm. So I'm glad that uh, that Alex gave me the run around and it, it took that long to get it set up but it's just hilarious that of all the people in uh, in the Coventry Sky Zone me where I was full on ROH dickhead at that point I had the ROH beanie on mm. ROH t-shirt on that famous ROH track jacket speaking of Malta that we gave yep. to our mate uh, Chris Mark <laughs> who, uh, who now wears that proudly I was wearing that that day so yeah things mm. were, uh, were shining on me in the right way that day and yeah that's, uh, that's how I ended up in the building for this one Tremendous stuff um, Quick question on this so your ROH fandom is well known, of course, because you keep banging on about it. Um, so, uh, We've got the belt in the back in the uh, yeah. <laughs> the audio listeners. Uh, Kent Kabashi, what was your fandom or knowledge of him at this time? Mm. I think that's, that's a good question because I think it's a fair question because I think you would know Mark from being in that embedded in that same fandom as me. I think people would would have pretended and myself included they knew more than they did in mm. 2005 it was like it was what a gigantic deal because roh is still very much in india at that point and yeah. mm. we all loved it but you know on a worldwide stage it was still lesser than you know a, a noah the fact that kenta kabashi was coming over was this huge deal on the message board when mm. the post got announced and everyone was going crazy for it 
but I think it's a good question of how many of us really did know the extent of the you know the, the power of, of Ken Takabashi and his actual work so aware of it um having you know been a a downloader on there. Remember, remember the app Kazar? Then we used to all have on our PCs. I'm sure we didn't. So um, you know how most uh, of my music collection came about <laughs> <Yeah>. in <laughs> those days. That was more. That was more before my day. I was more of a. Oh, uh, oh God, was it Mediafire, uh, mm. Angel Fire, those kind of ones? Just download those links. Websites. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it was very good for just getting random matches. So mm. I definitely, yeah, the fair few all Japan stuff, fair amount of Noah stuff, obviously would have been on the wrestling channel at that point as well. But I think like most of the hardcore ROH fans at that point, it was the idea of it more than reality. Same would happen with Dragon Gate when they'd always make you know the tours over Mark. Mm. You know, people yeah. bluff that they knew the full Dragon Gate law, but did they really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably a, a part yeah. of it. One of the things I was doing a little bit of research on this is kind of. The booking fee for Kabashi was like ten grand, and that didn't cover the travel costs. Which oh. consider that uh, I think Daniel's—I could be wrong with these numbers. I think either in two thousand six or two thousand eight, Danielson had only just got upgraded to a grand an appearance. Wow! So uh, yeah, that was how much they invested in Kabashi yeah. on this. They're thinking mm. about the kudos thing. They're thinking about how many DVDs they're going to sell off the back of this. And they got yeah. two matches out of him, yeah. didn't they? Because there's <laughs> yeah. a tag the night, is it night before or night after? Night after, I think it was. Yeah. It? Yeah, was that one included in your yeah. prize as well, Benno, on there? It was, yeah. We got a we got a lift there from uh, from Sid, one of the ROH back office people gave us. Oh, uh, I, thought you, I thought you meant Sid Vicious for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Different Sid. Ah. Um, I we had there uh, Gabe Sapolsky as well was our uh, our tour guy going home. He drove us back to the uh, to the mm. airport, and uh, I remember I always remember that car journey because we was, we were driving to the airport, and he was like, "Oh, have you ever seen like the Rocky Steps?" And we were like, "No, there they are." Have you ever seen this <laughs> landmark? There they are. Never stopped. We just carried on driving as uh, me, Mick, Paul, tucking all the sights in the in the backseat of Gabe Sapolsky's car. So, getting closer to talking about an actual wrestling match. Both of these men are having a crazy year in 2005. So both of them have come off year-plus runs with their company's world title. Yep. Kobashi mm-hmm. has had the Kensuke Sasaki match we covered back on episode 78. Joe has smashed his way into TNA as well as Ring of Honor. He will be the X-Division champ by the end of the year. He's had the Necro Butcher match that we've covered. He has this match, and he has the three-way with Daniels and Styles that we will get to down the line. I mean, it says it all that... Joe has four matches in this podcast and they are within 370 days of each other. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, actually, we, we talked about both these guys before. Can you just give us like a quick recap of like their nominations and stuff for the project? Uh, Samoa Joe, this is the the third of the four matches we'll be covering on the podcast. He had 13 matches nominated, but only five of them were from his Ring of Honor run. Um, I think this says it all about Samoa Joe. He has he's in the highest ranked TNA match in this project. He's mm. in the highest ranked non ROH US indie match in this project. And he's in the second highest ranked ROH match in this project. All in two thousand and five? All in two thousand five. Yeah. 2005 was the year of Samoa Joe. And then like yeah. at the end of the year, like these two forces collide. He had two musty matches in three weeks as the, um, <laughs> as the TNA match was 20 days Good before God. this. Wow. wow. 
It's unbelievable, isn't it? What you think about? Do you think that annoys him? Do you think it's like? I bet you, like over the years, is any time <laughs> yeah. a fat hardcore fan wants to talk to him, it's probably always about two thousand five. He's like, yeah. "Come on, guys, do you don't remember the Scott Steiner match? Do you not remember yeah, the Bamford Glory series? It's um, not about the six months where he had a dick painted on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Never is, is it? No. Um, yeah, and uh, Kabashi." Nine out of the 104 matches we're covering on this podcast are Ken Takabashi. Nice. Uh, 26 nominations. He has six in the top 30, four in the top 20, and two in the top 10. Wow. Uh, Only Okada, Omega, and Misawa have more matches in the top 20. So I wasn't a fan at the, well, I was a fan at this point. I knew this was going on, but I didn't get to see this until way down the line. Was there mm. any kind of build to this, or was it in that indie way they just announced that it was happening and people bought tickets and showed up? Yeah, pretty much yep. that. Um, yeah. It was a website announcement, if I re- remember rightly. Uh, and then, like I say, a forum meltdown following it. To the mm. extent that, you know, you mentioned the night after that we're not necessarily talking about here, but the, the tag match the night after, you know, that says it all. Because literally on commentary and on the message board, Gabe Sapolsky used the line, ah, this isn't about storylines. This isn't about what's actually <laughs> happening in ROH. This is just about the best match we can do. Hence why he teams up Samoa Joe with one of his most hated rivals, Loki. Mm-hmm. To take on um, Kenta Kabashi and Homicide, which made no sense because Homicide and Loki were stable mates. But match good was essentially the argument for it. And it was outright said on commentary. It wasn't even a, a hidden thing. It was just, let's forget about everything else leading into it. We've got the, these dream match possibilities. Let's just do them. Speaking of forgetting, one of the best decisions ROH made was not to do commentary on this match. I yes. was going to ask about that. Was there commentary? So the version I've watched was is on the um, Ring of Honor DVD uh, DVD channel, YouTube channel, mm. uh, right. where it's like packaged in with two other uh, Samoa Joe matches. Um, mm. And so I watched that version and that doesn't have any commentary. So was there none on the DVD either? Ring of no. Honor had a habit of they kind of knew that their commentary damaged matches sometimes and they would they would do this occasionally where <laughs> that's not faith in your commentators they would say <laughs> we'll let the action speak for, speak itself. for itself and yeah. they did it about what a dozen times max they didn't do it a lot yeah they did it at the end of they do it for the last like five minutes of the dragon gate match don't they i yeah. remember that yeah, that yeah. so i was maybe expecting that on this but like having absolutely nothing it's a it's a gabe staple often mm. when he was on commentary like the line would always be wouldn't it mario i'm gonna go watch this in the best place i can in the stands with the fans and he'd sell it in that Something way like that, yeah. Yeah. on top of yeah let the action speak for itself mm. but yet it was a shrewd move because like over the years the roh commentary did get better and you know i think prezak was uh was involved at, uh, at this point so things mm. were improving but yeah, I mean, having been there, it's one of those matches where it, that is true. It's one of the times it is true. The atmosphere does mm. speak for itself. And every time I rewatch this, because we, of course, reviewed this on a, a grapple earlier this year on the Patreon, mm. like it was about 10 minutes into the match where before I remember again. And the same happened tonight when I was rewatching it again. I get about 10 minutes in and go, oh, yeah, of course, there's no commentary because you do get swept up in mm. it so much. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an inspired choice. To say the crowd are hyped for this is an understatement. Yeah. Like, so the version on YouTube doesn't have any entrances. Um, it just goes like straight to the handshake and the bell ring. Or the the intros, the handshake and the bell ring. People are already losing their minds before anything has happened. I sort out the uh, the in, the entrances, uh, and you can find it on certain websites. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And there's that old Samoa Joe anecdote about Kabashi not knowing how well known he was 
Yeah. And yeah, when he comes through the curtain, he's literally like deer in the headlights for about three or four seconds. Just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, because that, that's the thing. He's probably worked, definitely has worked much bigger crowds, has probably mm. worked louder crowds. But that venue, you know, being where it was, the New Yorker Hotel, it's one of those venues where everybody's on top of each other and mm. you're right there and there's no escaping. And yeah, you could, I was going to say, it is almost a, sh a shame that the publicly available version of this doesn't have the entrances because the entrances, I'll always say this on Grapple, for me, are often a, as big a part of the performance and the match, as is the post-match in some cases, as everything. Um, and those entrances just show you exactly that story, like, like Mark said there, where mm. you know the crowd is in a fever pitch just for Kenta Kobashi's entrance. And you can, it's written all over his face. I remember seeing it in person, just, mm. in, in, just being wide-eyed and just like, whoa it was almost like the wind of the noise was gonna mm. i know he's not very steady on his on his feet at the best of times <laughs> but it genuinely looked like it was gonna knock him over that's yeah. how it felt and it took him a few seconds to get his breath and kind of get his bearings even as big a star as he is you you mentioned like unsteady on his feet um i found an anecdote about uh the bill about the ring which was mm. from a dave bixon span article on fight fan bite years ago uh it was a so it was Pele Premio saying that when they set the ring up, uh, the no representative was like, yeah, that ring is way too bouncy for Kabashi's knees. Wow. So they actually had to supposedly go around the hotel rooms of the New York hotel and basically just grabbing queen size blankets and putting it under the ring on the flex beams just to make it a bit <laughs> less harsh on his knees. And the, the ring steps were supposedly made by Sid Ike. And it was like mm. there was such a piece of shit. It's like, how the fuck did they last? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd need them, wouldn't he? That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Would have been, might have taken away from the atmosphere for the scene, like the side of a bed poking out from, uh, from under the <laughs> ring from where I was standing at the back. <laughs> uh, so they they start out, uh, it's a bit tentative. Joe gets in a couple of quick thigh kicks before bash, uh, backing Kabashi into the ropes and slapping him when they break. And I think this is kind of sh to show him for real this is the kind of match we should have. Like, there's mm -hmm. no need to do holds for half an hour. We can fight your kind of match. And it might also be Joe saying, firstly, we can't coast in front of these people. Mm. And mm. two, I want to have a Kabashi match. Like, I haven't brought you over. We haven't brought you over here to mess about. We want to do this properly. That first kick, Kabashi's just like, pauses a second, lets the crowd let it sink in, then basically slaps his legs and just stares at Joe. And... Mm. It, it's a very early start of how good Kabashi is in this match of kind of knowing how to leave things a couple of seconds just mm. to let the crowd get into mm. it before reacting. Well, off the off the slap, like he does this great slow burn reaction. He mm. stays with his head turned away from Joe for a long time, letting the crowd get more hyped up. Like, oh, oh shit, what's going to happen when he actually looks at him? And then he slowly <laughs> turns back to him with a face that says, oh, you've done it now. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the thing with with the slap for me. It's like we are all, you know, end or not, all in that crowd and like this old presence at Kenta Kabashi. So I mentioned mm. my friend Paul who came with me. He got the free trip because my mate who was originally going to come with me couldn't get work off for a free trip to New York. I still can't <laughs> over that. But 15 years later, come Quit on. Fucking <laughs> job. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so he came and wasn't really an ROH fan or he'd mm. seen a few DVDs mm. but definitely wasn't, you know, watching anything from Japan. Mm. And I think he just, as soon as that entrance happened, he got swept up in it. He was with the rest of us kind of, you write into it from that moment. Mm. But the building is in such awe of Kenta 
into Kabashi is just this, wow, he's here. Wow, we need to show this man respect. It's almost like Joe Slappers are a reminder of, no, I'm not going to show you that much respect. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like, I'm here, I, I'm here, and it's going to be an actual fight, as you, mm. as you just said there, Kieran. It kind of changes, like, the atmosphere from one of, oh, Joe's like us, he's just an order, the Kenta Kabashi. Yeah. It's like, no, it's yeah. not going to be like that. It's going to be a real fight, so it works in a kayfabe sense, too. Yeah, it, it's a reminder that in kayfabe, Samoa Joe is a professional fighter, and this is a fight. Mm. Yes. Um, Joe gets backed into the corner and blasted with a very loud chop. Uh, they go into a double knuckle lock and the crowd are already chanting, this is awesome. <laughs> Joe wins the test of strength, sends Kobashi outside with a shoulder block and then hits a baseball side and the elbow suicida. Uh, back on the inside, Joe slows it down but stays in control with a face bar and a stretch plum. I wrote after this, the longer you make the people wait for the legends come back, the crazier they'll go for it. The bit I loved with these submissions is two different elements. The first is... This is Joe at his most uh, all Japan uh, 90s fanboy because he's got the Mitsuhara Masawa face lock and then the uh, Kawada stretch plum. Mm. So these are two submissions that he is doing specifically because of Kabashi's mm. references. The other bit, I don't know if you notice, Samoa Joe's cocky grim when he locks in each of these submissions as a kind of, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I'm he, the man. He knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Joe's whole reactions throughout this entire match are fantastic. Mm. Which is interesting because I think, like, at the time, I remember a, a lot of the reaction to Joe, unbelievable as it is now, there were people who almost saw him as a pretender. So people would look back on, like, the Zero One run or the times he mm. went to Japan as, like, uh, he does impressions of Japanese heavyweights. He's not really one himself. That was a knock on Joe. Yeah. So it was almost like making that part of the story of the match because there's more references going I, on. I, I think Joe's style worked better in the USA than Japan mm. because you mentioned, yeah. like, the the mocking on Japan. Supposedly, the Japanese commentators were ripping the absolute piss out of him. I believe so, and, yeah. And, like, just calling him a mark and making a mockery of him because mm. it's like you're... It was... I can kind of get it because from their perspective, it's the equivalent of a Japanese guy coming into WWE and his moveset being Fez Press, Stunner, <laughs> yeah. Rock Bottom, uh, Triple H's shitty it's jaw like the breaker. Florida Brothers showing up on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ethan Page then, yeah. Um, yeah right. <laughs> but you're um, right though, I, I think it's a bold choice though with that, with that, with knowing that and knowing this was at the time going to be one of Joe's most viewed matches worldwide. So almost lead into that and lean into mm. that side. And the other thing I was just going to say as well is on, on the dive as well that comes before it, like the slap that felt like another one where it's like no this isn't a night off this mm. isn't like 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 mark alluded to before you know kenta kabashi coming in thinking he was gonna have to throw salt in joe's eyes and have a you know a night off japanese heel type match mm. um even if it wasn't necessarily that that people were thinking was gonna happen there was definitely an element of the people in the audience thinking right but it's gonna be you know not prime kenta kabashi it's gonna be a bit of a night off joe's gonna take it easier than it's like the slap tells you otherwise and then doing the doing the dive and kabashi mm. taking the brunt mm. of that joe takes a lot on the floor too when he falls but like that tells you as well no this is going to be like a, a top level uh kabashi match and we're not cutting any corners 
a small twisted part of me does want to see the alternate timeline where Kabashi is like a barefooted like, <laughs> salt throwing heel well, just for this match and nothing else. <laughs> um, uh, Joe gets off some chops in the corner and it's Kabashi's face telling the story again. He's all gritted teeth and furrowed brow. And then he slowly turns to face Joe again before taking one more and then letting him have it with a barrage of his own. The third one, Mark, is a titty mist special. Oh, the titty mist is everywhere in this match. It's fu- there, there's titty mist on a kitchen sink knee at one point. Yeah, How the yeah. fuck does that happen? <laughs> it adds so much to it, doesn't it? It's like yeah. that visual of like, it's almost like smoke in the air. Yeah. It just makes it all feel a bit more real. I love yeah. it. Uh, Joe comes back with kicks across the chest and then Zoyagiri to knock him down. And if using the Misawa elbow suicida wasn't disrespectful enough, Joe follows up with two rounds of Kawada kicks. Uh, after each one, Kabashi pops up screaming and lays in more chops, but it get, uh, but gets dropped when Joe switches the, the kicks out for knees. They go back outside where Joe connects with a short-range Olay kick. A second one is stopped in its tracks by a chop, and then Joe does a phenomenal sell for a chop that lifts mm. him out of a chair and over the barrier into the front row. It's On the surface, it's very silly, but I kind of love it. Oh, it <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. isn't it? It, it just I, works. I, Mm. Yeah, because I don't know if you're the same, Mark, but like I haven't seen a lot of Joe matches from this period. I always hated the Ole kicks because they just take so long to set up. Yeah. And I think mm. if you're in the building and you're cheering along, that's one thing. But at home, it's like, come on, Joe, get on with it. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> so it's almost a baby face spotter. I was in the room when it was invented. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. This is where I admit how much of a fraud I've been for most of my life. I've seen I've seen very little 2000 five ring of honor i'm more of a 2006 onwards guy oh okay yeah you're yeah. A, bit like, a bit like rev joe he's kind of in that same boat as well he's a kind of the uh, that same roh generation um but but yeah like you're right that it was invented over here but like i've never seen a bump uh, like it like with joe going mm. over the barrier yeah. i rewatched it twice tonight just because it's like <laughs> i was kind of like, where how does he do it and it's kind of like he put he must put his hands on the on the guardrail and yeah. push himself mm. over but if there was ever an occasion that asked for this kind of oversell yeah. this was it wasn't it, and it just yeah. oh, it's well, super well you you talk about 2005 samojo samojo had matches he lost he had mat- opponents who were really good Samojo has never been outmatched like he was in this match at points. He's mm, never had no. to fight as hard as he had in this match. Mm, no. It's part of and the it, story that he's kind of bitten off more yeah. than he can chew, really, isn't it? Yeah, because I think in ROH and in, to an extent in TNA, but depending on, on, on the year, he was always the biggest man in the room, wasn't he? Yeah. Especially in ROH, he was always the heavyweight and there was no one even really close to his, his, his size. So it's a completely different experience when it's him doing the, uh, the bumping and feeding for someone else because you never really saw that in 2005 yeah. with John. Mm. I did note Kabashi here is enormous. I reckon if you cut him at the waist and turned him 90 degrees sideways, like his <laughs> his waist to tip, tip of the head measurement is the same as his shoulder to shoulder measurement. Jesus. He is enormous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a big memory from seeing him in person. I was like, whoa, this guy's big. Mm. Uh, Joe also takes a DDT on the floor before they go back inside where Joe gets, I just wrote, chopped to death, including the hangman's chop that we liked from the Kensuke Sasaki match and the yep. running chop drop. <laughs> uh, Joe wins on a vertical suplex and we get chops versus kicks that turns into chops versus overhands that turns into chops versus chops uh, Joe gets a flurry in as the crowd go nuts uh, but one to the side of the neck and then one across the throat quite understandably put him down well, what I love with that and first of all when you mention about the like the the, the neck breaker style chop 
There was mm. one guy that just yelled yes as soon as he saw Kabashi <laughs> was just getting in position for it, which ben is kind of, okay, that's the guy that's been watching the tapes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> but, the, but during that strike exchange, it's like, bear in mind, this was what, four months after the Kensuke Sasaki, mm. uh, God knows how many seconds uh, chop battle. This mm. felt incredibly different. It didn't feel like a copy at all. It had yeah. fantastic escalation. And the bit I love towards the end, again, coming back to Samoa Joe and his facial expressions, he is so good at kind of showing that I've bitten off more than I can do mm. chew. Showing that, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble face. And it's brilliant. It just makes this match for me is these little details I mm. hadn't remembered. I think it doesn't feel like a copy because Joe is switching up the strikes to try yeah. something new, whereas Kobashi is sticking with the weapon he knows works. It's simple in, in its effectiveness, isn't it? Mm, like, you know, yeah. it, that is, that's the strength of it. But it's like, in both regards, you mentioned the seller, selling mark. Again, speaking to, to Joby and the biggest man in the room most of the time, he wasn't really used to having to sell like this. So mm, for him to be mm. so good at it, says something, it's written all over his face. He looks like yeah. he's in pain, like in a mm. very, very real way. Maybe he was um, to an extent <laughs> as well, because that's the other thing about the offense. It's simple. It's just strikes. But I, again, I haven't been there. And this was a few years before I'd, uh, I'd see Gunther slash Walter live. Mm. The loudest sounds I think I'd ever heard mm. at a wrestling show, like the, the, those strikes. And it felt every bit real as well for that reason. I meant to ask, did Alex at least get you decent seats? Nope, we stood at the back. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. And to be fair, like he, he was like, oh, no, ROH will take care of you. And, and Sid, who, uh, who Mark mentioned before, did pr did pretty much be like, oh, yeah, go go find yourselves uh, wherever you can find, guys. Just go there. And it was like, well, I guess we're standing at the back then. We did try and steal some seats, but they were taken. Didn't yeah, work they out, probably but... already sold every ticket they could and just had to squeeze these two, oh. two freeloaders in <laughs> wherever they could. There were many stories Sid was telling us on the drive to Philadelphia about the fire marshal not being happy and yes the amount of people mm. that crammed into that building that night was uh probably not advisable um mm. so joe gets to the ropes on a what i called a high pressure abdominal stretch and gets put in the face bar he used earlier and then a chin lock with an added chop down the nose for good measure mm. he catches a spinning back chop and turns it into the sto and then hits a senton and backs kabashi into the corner with with a, the almost like the sting chop punch combo on his second attempt at it, he rattles Kabashi off the top turnbuckle with a spinning buckle bomb. I think everybody in the building thought that Kabashi was just going out over the top rope because it is not clean. <laughs> uh, and he follows no. up with the face wash and the muscle buster, but Kabashi kicks out. Is the muscle buster Joe's big move at this point, or is he more like Kakina Clutch? I would describe it as a 1B. It okay. can finish people. Even to this day, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's like a angle with the angle slam and the ankle lock. He's always kind of gone back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it becomes his finish again, but mm. he would win matches with it, but I would say the choke was more the, the primary sure. finish. But it's ve it feels very early in the match to do it as well. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. yeah. Again, I think that two, that one-two combo, again, Kabashi being willing to take the uh, the buckle bomb, which yes. we all know what happened with, with Sting when he took that. You can almost, almost see it in Kabashi's face when he sat in the corner. And like mm. that wasn't a good idea, um, <laughs> and then he's, but then he's also willing to take the muscle buster because again, considering his his star level and considering maybe his lack of knowledge of ROH and even who mm. Joe was in the world at this point, he didn't have to take these bumps and he was yeah. well up for it. He, uh, he he takes the move that broke Sting's neck immediately, followed by the move that broke Tyson Kidd's neck. There you go, yeah. and survives. <laughs> <laughs> Joe then goes for the choke, but Kabashi throws him off. Uh, 
and winds up in the powerbomb kickout SDF combo. Uh, he tries to fight the grip, but Joe sinks it in. And then as he's reaching the ropes with one arm, Joe turns the move into the crossface. And as Kobashi reaches out with the other arm, it becomes kind of like a Rings of Saturn brutalizer type hold. Um, Kobashi manages to turn and get a foot over the ropes for the break. I really liked this, like how Joe was constantly finding ways to tie the arms up and stop him getting to the ropes. I'd say this is the best it's ever looked because I think mm. because Kobashi fights back, yeah, and he's mm. constantly trying to grab Joe's arm. Yeah, that makes it work. But I don't know if you were going to say say the same thing, Mark. The issue is Joe used to do this in all of his matches. <laughs> like every yeah. match, it'd be the same order. And it'd be like, it, it's a bit like the, you know, the one he'd do when he'd run in the corner. He'd run the corner, he'd catch them with the step yeah. over, uh, step over there. Like it, it's a similar, it's like in every match, is everybody doing the exact same thing? Um, hey, you okay. can't power bomb Kidman. Yeah, true, <laughs> it's, true. It's Joe's you can't power bomb Kidman. <laughs> it really yeah. is. But the, as you said about uh, Kabashi fighting it, so both Kabashi fighting it and Joe basically looking utterly knackered and tired and desperate, probably because he is knackered, because about three or four minutes after this, you can just see the sweat dripping off his chin at one point. Mm. Uh, and this is a match in October. It's not like this is a, a middle of summer, no air conditioning building either. Well, mm. I don't know. Uh, uh, Benno might be able to tell us more, but like that room looked like a fucking sweat box. It was packed to the gills. They probably didn't want to pay to have the air conditioning on because it's independent wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Because it uh, that's the thing we haven't really mentioned about the building. It's the New Yorker Hotel, which is connected to the Manhattan Center, mm. which is like, it's all one building. All those, you know, the three famous wrestling rooms are all mm. the same. This is the smaller one. And yes, it, I would say it was sweaty in there just from just sheer, even though it was October, sheer amounts mm. of people in a, in one mm. in one space. But as Matty will always say, Joe's always knackered. You know, that's just kind of like Joe's permanent state, isn't it? Still pulls it out though <laughs> um in a moment i think either got saved or ruined by the editor they sort of tentatively run at each other from opposite corners and kabashi chops joe across the neck as they meet in the middle uh mm. joe then gets suplexed onto the side of his face and they double down for a nine count uh back on their feet it's machine gun chop time and poor joe looks like he's getting killed it, mm. it this really looks like his least favorite part of this match <laughs> Uh, he also takes four running double chops, including one where he sat in the corner, followed by another half Nelson suplex that dumps him on the back of his head, uh, and he has to grab the ropes to break the count. Joe pops up, cracks off some chops, but gets caught in a sleeper, which unfortunately becomes a sleeper suplex, and he gets dumped on the top of his head. <laughs> like, it's three of these yeah. in a row <laughs> again like the, these are not bumps Samoa Joe has taken on the regular and like it's, AJ it's Styles is doing this to one, him. you see his kind of body yeah no. <laughs> but it's like he's on top of his head and his body moves along the, along the mat that's mm. it's, yeah. oh, Joe wasn't taking this for anybody they are no. yeah. it's like the, the combination of those suplexes and the chops on the corner like mm. I think we've we've gone past selling it uh, at this yeah. point in the match Mm. And and you consider it's like it's the worst case scenario of the fact that you've got the guy hitting the moves is significantly taller than the guy taking it, and the True. guy taking it is on the heavier side, and the guy hitting it has been wrestling for fifteen minutes is getting pretty old, and yes, he still works <laughs> out at this point. It's like, does he have the full strength? So it's like worst case scenario from about five different perspectives <laughs> on these suplexes. <laughs> Um, Kabashi quickly crawls over to make the cover and in a great detail scoops up Joe's arm that's near the ropes to stop him grabbing them again but Joe manages to kick out 
Kobashi picks Joe up. Joe breaks the grip and lays in a volley of big, hard slaps. Mm. Uh, Kobashi, though, halts a lariat by chopping the arm, creases him with a series of spinning back chops to the ear. And then as Joe is firing up for one last ditch attempt in the background, of the shot comes off the ropes and smashes him with a lariat and gets mm. the pin. I love that finish. I love that Joe, it looked like Joe was ready to like try one last time and yeah. just got caught. Well, I think we when we talked about it on Grapple, we were saying the same thing. It feels like if this was 2023, there'd be another chapter in this match. There'd be there'd be more to come. And it's mm-hmm. almost like in Kayfabe there is. In Kayfabe, there's a world where Samoa Joe, you know, he puts everything into that charge. Yeah. Like you, and it's mm. always stuck with me, that scream as he goes towards Kabashi and mm. gives it everything and mm. gets caught one last time. But there's an alternate universe where he makes that a couple of seconds earlier and we have, you know, another stretch of the match. But no, that's the, the poetry of the match, isn't it? Mm. That that doesn't happen. It's just magical. Mm. They shake hands and embrace afterwards as the crowd go mental, obviously. Uh, this is on our list uh, joint 18th out of 1067 nominated matches uh, along with uh, the match we did last week and the match we're doing next week uh, in your mind Benno is this a, a must see match taking out live bias is this still a must see match all this time on if I hadn't been lazy and I've gotten back to Mark when I uh, started drafting <laughs> my must see match list it'd be on there so yeah <laughs> <laughs> just never got round to it sorry for that Mark apologies <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah absolutely like for me it's you know I'm Lucky enough to say I was at this, I was at Nigel Bryan, mm. I was at the Dragon Gate Six Man, which were kind of the three, you mm. know, most vaunted matches um, from ROH at this period. But this is the one that always stick with me. I think I've got live bias, obviously, attached yeah. to it. I haven't been mm. there and I haven't taken in, you know, the atmosphere of it and living and dying by those those momentum swings that you've just uh, described there that do make it feel like a real fight. But I think the big thing for me was reception when it came out because it was like yeah it, like it, like a lot of matches like i've been drunk enough to be front row at a progress show cheering on a cck match thinking i just saw a five-star match yeah. spoilers yeah. lads i didn't uh, i found that <laughs> out when the vod came out whereas the experience of this was very different it was so mm. exciting waiting for this dvd to come out and then it came out and it felt like the world saw what we saw in that building yeah. and i think to find out it was as good as you remember it being absolutely yeah it's yeah. as loud as i remember it and i think like for all all of roh's production faults that again i'm sure uh kieran uh, will, will you be turning your, <laughs> your hair out at some of the uh the tropes they use but like i think they captured it perfectly they captured the essence mm. of what this mm, match yeah. was in the, in the building and i think yeah it absolutely is a must-see match it's a mm. classic and also for you would you say samoa joe is your guy from ring of honor the or is he up there? He's up there. It's between him and Punk, probably. Mm. Um, but, you know, Punk's time in ROH is a lot shorter, isn't it, than Joe? So, yeah, yeah it's between them, maybe Homicide as well. But it, it's some combination of them on the day. But do those guys have the, the catalogue that, that Joe has in there, specifically in ROH? They don't, do they? Um, yeah. So it probably is uh, on balance, Joe. Mark, how do you feel about this one? I thought this was absolutely glorious. Uh, it's been years since I've seen it. And I was, I wasn't worried, but I'm wondering, is this one where my memory of it will have changed and my tastes have changed Mm. a bit, but this just feels special. And I think the thing about this on paper, if you write down what happened in the match, it probably doesn't sound that special. It probably sounds quite paint by numbers for Mm. me. What, what makes this is it's the aura it's the scent it's the crowd it's the sense of 
there is a feeling from the very beginning that this is special and the way that Kabashi uses his skills to get that little extra out of the crowd just with those little pauses, with firing up and showing fire uh, when he does. And Samoa Joe being Samoa Joe, being that guy that the ROH fans have known for years and finally getting to see him Mm. face a top guy, a guy that they did not expect him to face. It just works. Yeah, not not a top guy in the in the company, not a top guy in the country, a top guy in the world. As we like, yeah. as we mentioned at the beginning, yeah. like Kobashi is having a renaissance in two thousand and five. He's this like is his comeback year. This is probably one of the very few matches that's a legit dream match, not a we'll call it a dream match, a legit dream match where you can argue that both guys are at the top of their game. Mm. Yeah. That's something I was going to say. Like, for me, remembering it happen at the time as well. Got to remember, like, ROH, possibly because of Tony Khan, possibly just with time and the people who made it, is seen as, you know, it's ROH. It's where all the great matches happened back in the day. In 2005, we all believe that. I believe Samoa Joe was one of the best wrestlers in the world. I believe that Brian Danielson was possibly the best wrestler in the world at that point. But it was still pretty much an indie at that point, a very yeah. well, mm. well-to-do well indie that was doing well and spreading. But it, it was an indie. And there was definitely, as I talked about earlier, a bit of a, like, are we all bluffing here? Do we do we all think that Joe and Brian, because there are guys that the best in the world level, but are they as good as the proper stuff? And the proper stuff would be Noah. The proper stuff would be Kabashi. Misoa, mm. those guys, you know, is it still lesser than? And it almost felt like a, a victory lap for us at that point. It's like, no, this is, as Mark said, a legitimate dream match with our guy against, like you say, one of the best in the world. Mm. And he hung with him. You know, it didn't matter that he lost. He hung with him. He, he, he was given the respect of, you know, a proper Kabashi match and not just a night off. It showed that our little, you know, area of the world you know, was what we thought it was, and Joe was as, thought, as good as we thought it was. So it was a dream match and set up, and then an execution. Mm. It couldn't have gone any better. Um, and yeah, I don't think that was a that was a given at the time um, going into it. And it's lightning in the bottle. Like we mentioned, mm. the tag match. Apart from that, these two never share a ring again. This is their one and only singles match. Mm. Um, uh, Carl on our Discord, when we said we we're doing this, just basically said the greatest match ever that was his entire reply <laughs> <laughs> uh and like everybody else was like yeah you know it's very rare to see the timing of two people having a dream match be as perfect as this with both joe and kabashi coming off the best world title reigns roh and noah will probably ever have in the year prior um do you remember the tv channel movies for men oh yes yeah <laughs> world sport was on it wasn't it with the greatest of respect to our sisters in wrestling fandom, this is a matches for men. This is a dude's <laughs> rock match. This is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. This is, I called it fridge versus fridge. This is two. <laughs> this is, like, get me Big E. This is big meaty men slapping meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I have said previously, probably not on this show because we haven't covered him, uh, but Tomohiro Ishii's matches are don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. Oh shit, you poke the bear. Yeah. This is Gorilla Pokes Bear immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is wonderful. It's one of the matches that reminds me why I love pro wrestling. I think you can show it to anyone and they'll get something out of it. Yeah. Whether it's the legend versus upstart story, the sheer violence of the thing, yeah. the crowd, the crowd are like, I don't think it's possible for that building to have been any louder. 
just crazy, crazy stuff. I think Benno got an absolute treat to be in there for this. I, it's wonderful just to watch back on uh, on video or whatever. I didn't nominate this, but after watching it again, I kind of wish I had. I, I would put this up as a must-see match for sure. It's funny, like you say, the crowd there. There's a lot of a ghosts of our past in there, in the crowd, and there on the first uh, nightmare. But like, I was, I always think about going to the. I'm being there. I feel very lucky um, that I was there. I feel slightly less lucky that I, I, I was there on the second night. Um, that one wouldn't make a must-see match list. Although <laughs> when I met Loki, he told me he thought it was just as good. So you know, who are we sure. to doubt Brandon? Um, <laughs> uh, that one don't don't seek out. But yeah, you, this one, you joke so. about ghosts of the past. There was at least two people in that front. I'm still in a group chat with. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of last week. Um, so, uh, Kobashi won uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Wrestler of the Year. Joe came second. Joe won Most Outstanding with Kobashi coming second. Joe won Best Brawler. This was Match of the Year in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, Awards for 2005, with Kobashi versus Sasaki coming third, Joe versus Daniels versus Styles coming fourth, Kobashi and Go Shizaki versus uh, Kensuke Sasaki and uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima coming fifth. That's a banger. That is an absolute banger if you've never seen that. And Kobashi and Go versus Junekiyama and Doug Williams from Universal Uproar the next month. Didn't make the top 10, but was still the highest place match from Europe of 2005. Like, that's how <laughs> crazy a year these two were having. Mm. Like, that's the level of their work. Tremendous stuff. I love that list. I just don't like the disrespect for Joe Necro, but I'll let it go. Um, <laughs> <being there>. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that was lesser seen. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. That's This did the rounds. That was yeah. the, we, we talked about the ROH business model earlier in the money to pay in the guys. It was. It was a DVD business model. Mm. And did, I think did Dave this is even, their biggest seller ever. Did Dave even watch Joe versus Necro? I can't remember. Mm. I'd have to go back to I our episode to, to find so, out what I said about yeah, that. I, you're kind of right, Benno, that I think it was, if not the biggest seller of all time, it was definitely one that made... You know, they made their money back off that one. Yeah. Ju they justified that 10 grand to bring him in. Yeah. Benno, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. It's been a blast talking about this match with you. Feel free to plug the 1,000 things you need to plug. If I'm going to go and run, I'm going to go and actually, I'm going to go and have a bath while you plug everything you need to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, text me when he's done. <laughs> uh, it's busy season. So, yeah, we've got a, we've had a lot going on on, uh, on Grapple over uh, Christmas season. We'll have lots going on into uh, into New Year as well. Grappy Awards and Clap and uh, Crap. I was a Grappy and Clappy. That's another thing. That's somebody Grappy, else. Uh, yeah, that's someone else. Uh, Matty also does podcasts with his everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the Grappy and the Crappy Awards are positive and negative awards for the year out. Um, unlike the, unlike this, um, run about four hours for the first one and two hours for the second one. Um, it, you're accepting work as an editor, Kieran, we could probably do with one. Um, it's a long I'll send podcast. you my right card. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Ask Grapple um, is also out uh, next week. Um, so yeah, look forward to uh, to that where we do get together, have a have a few drinks, and yeah, might be a couple of uh, ghosts of the past on there uh, on that one as well, just as a as a teaser uh, but yeah patreon.com slash grapples where all our bonus stuff is and we've covered joe kabashi we've covered joe necro the punk and joe series this year and um, it's always fun to you know bring like a gareth in who's not seen these matches before mm. and blow his mind or i sit there in the corner just wanting dad's approval just go i hope he likes it i hope <laughs> he likes it and so far he's like pretty much everything we've put in front of him so yeah if you want more where that came from patreon.com slash grapple 
tremendous stuff as for us you can go to linktr.ee slash musty matches for all the way subscribe links to the full list of nominations and a whole load more we are at musty matches on twitter instagram threads and blue sky and on discord you can get there by going to bit.ly slash musty matches discord which is a bit long but it's all i could get i am at kieran edits on twitter and mark is at monkey underscore buckles I also have another show, Nothing and Like It chronicles the UK's Frontier Wrestling Alliance's adventures on TV. You can find everything to do with that at linktr.ee slash fwapod. Episode 3 should be out by the time you hear this. Next week, a New Year's Eve spectacular. We visit AEW for one last time. For that time, Kenny Omega teamed up with Hangman Page to face the Young Bucks at Revolution 2020 on February 29th, 2020. And joining us will be the man who tells Optimus Prime what to do. Yes, the current boss of the Transformers, at least in comic form, comic writer and artist Daniel Warren Johnson will be here. Until then, have a marvellous Christmas, everybody, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.